0: My dad was not naturally cheap. However, like many Irish fathers, the demands of his large family exceeded the capabilities of his small income. Economies which would have seemed silly in a land of greater opulence were taken very seriously. Thus, a frequent adornment of the Kelly bathroom sink was an apparently empty tube of toothpaste. Dad contended that a careful squeezing of the tube, starting from the very bottom and worked with your thumbs methodically upwards, would yield plenty for the average toothbrushing. And so I, like my brothers and sisters, became adept at squeezing the last glob of toothpaste from the tube. In a similar vein, over the last few years, an apparently fully tapped out labor market has yielded a surprising number of new workers. Understanding why is key to predicting economic growth for the rest of this expansion. The week ahead will be a busy one for economic data, with global PMI numbers in both manufacturing and services, and readings on U.S. light vehicle sales, international trade and consumer sentiment. However, as is usually the case in the first week of the month, the most important numbers will be contained in Friday's jobs report. Markets will likely react to job growth, payroll job gains and the unemployment rate, as all of these have impacted Fed interest rate policy in the past. However, the Fed has set a high bar for any further move in interest rates over the next few months, so for investors the jobs report should be more important in what it says about the economy rather than about the Fed. If this is right, then among all the employment numbers the most important will actually be the change in the labour force. As this expansion has matured, the unemployment rate has fallen more slowly. From a peak of 10.0% in October 2009, the rate has dropped to 4.1% eight years later, amounting to a decline of over seven-tenths of a percent per year. However, since then, it has fallen by just five-tenths of a percent over two years, suggesting that there is an underlying core level below which the unemployment rate is unlikely to fall. Even in the tightest of job markets, there's always people who have just been fired or laid off, people who have quit, and people who have just entered or re-entered the labour market but have yet to land a job. There are also those who just don't have the skills or temperament to hold down a job. Adding all these people up probably gets you to roughly today's unemployment rate. So while we expect that on Friday the government will announce that the unemployment rate fell back to 3.5%, having nudged up to 3.6% last month, we do not expect a significant further decline over the rest of the expansion consequently gains in employment going forward will have to come from an increase in the labour force. As we've often noted, this is problematic, both because of the retirement of the baby boom and reduced immigration. However, in the year ended in October, the US labour force, that is those working plus those looking for a job, rose by 1%, or almost 1.7 million people, more than four times as fast as the estimated growth in the population aged 18 to 64. So what's going on? The biggest part of the answer is higher participation by those aged 65 and older. In fact, 41% of the gain in the labour force over the past year, or almost 700,000 people, came from this group. This is rather remarkable, as those aged 65 and older currently account for just 7% of the labour force. Now part of this is just a statistical quirk. Since 2011, as more and more baby boomers have turned 65, the average age of those in the 65 plus cohort has actually fallen by about six months, and this should, all other things being equal, increase participation. However, a second important factor is probably income insecurity in retirement. According to the Employment Benefit Research Institute, only 67% of American workers feel that they will have enough money to finance a comfortable retirement. While the aggregate wealth of American households has increased, it is very unevenly distributed and many older Americans need to work just to make ends meet, even with Social Security. A second part of the answer has been falling claims for disability benefits. Between 1990 and 2010, the number of American workers claiming to be disabled rose at an implausible pace of over 5% per year. Part of this may have been workers using a disability designation as an alternative way of getting income after exhausting their unemployment benefits. Whatever the reason, almost all of those who received de- disability benefits are likely out of the labour market. However, in recent years a government crackdown on dubious claims combined with an improving economy first reduced the growth in claims and then resulted in an actual decline. Over the past 12 months the rolls of disabled workers have fallen by a further 156,000 likely boosting the numbers employed or looking for work. A third part of the story may lie in America's falling birth rate. Since 2007, the number of babies born in the United States has fallen from 4.3 million to a 32-year low of 3.8 million last year. As a practical matter, a new baby often keeps one parent out of the workforce for some time, so falling births may have freed up more adults to work. A fourth potential positive factor may be some progress in America's drug epidemic. According to the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, the number of people dying from a drug overdose fell by roughly 5% last year to a still shockingly high 68,500. While drug overdoses are not directly related to the job market, if declining overdoses implies declining usage, some Americans who had dropped out of the labour market because of substance abuse may now be finding a way to get back in. Finally rising wages may be luring some back to the labour market. In October, real average hourly earnings were up 1.7% year-over-year, continuing a trend of gradual improvement that started back in 2013. Looking forward, some of these sources of additional labour force growth may be less potent. In particular, the first baby boomers have now turned 72. As a result, the average age within the 65-plus cohort is now almost steady and will begin to rise again slowly in 2023. This, combined with good recent stock market gains, could limit the participation of older workers going forward. However, some of the other trends could persist, and if they do, labor force growth may still handily outpace the very slow gains now expected in the traditional working age population. It should be emphasized that this does not imply a return to 3% real GDP growth before the next recession. But it does hint that the economy could do a bit better than the roughly 1.5% growth going forward suggested by combining recent trends in productivity with demographic forecasts. For investors this suggests positioning US assets to take advantage of a somewhat better stock market and a somewhat worse bond market than some have long expected. Well that's it for this week. Please tune in again next week and if you have any questions in the meantime please reach out to your J.P. Morgan representative.
1: This content has been produced for information purposes only and as such the views contained herein are not to be taken as advice or recommendation to buy or sell any investment or interest thereto. Reliance upon information in this material is at the sole discretion of the recipient. The material was prepared without regard to specific objectives, financial situation, or needs of any particular receiver. Any research in this asset has been obtained and may have been acted upon by J.P. Morgan Asset Management for its own purpose. The results of such research are being made available as additional information and do not necessarily reflect the views of J.P. Morgan Asset Management. Any forecasts, figures, opinions, statements of financial market trends, or investment techniques and strategies expressed are those of J.P. Morgan Asset Management, unless otherwise stated, as of the date of production. They are considered to be reliable at that time, but no warranty as to the accuracy and reliability or completeness in respect of any error or omission is accepted. They may be subject to change without reference or notification to you. J.P. Morgan Asset Management is the brand for the asset management business of J.P. Morgan Chase & Company and its affiliates worldwide. J.P. Morgan Distribution Services Incorporated. Copyright 2018, J.P. Morgan Chase & Company.